welcome to Watermark's Church Leadership Podcast, a conversation with church leaders for church leaders. I'm John McGee, and I'm joined in the studio today by two men on our campus pastor team, John Cox and Blake Holmes. Guys, welcome. Hey, it's good to be here. It's great to be here, John. Thanks for having us back. <laughs> so uh, both of you guys have been uh, on the podcast. It's been a minute, but but you're back here. So uh, John Cox, you know, uh, we talked about as one of the smartest, most disciplined humans uh, that we all know. Uh, Blake Holmes, Bible scholar. Uh, 30-year friend, and I would also say a bully. Oh, True. oh, those are like fighting words. Yeah. What do you mean, yeah. bully? So we were, you, John was with us. We were at the uh, uh, Dallas Leadership uh, Team retreat uh, recently, and we shared a great meal, and pretty much no one wanted dessert. Not one single person wanted dessert, and you kept at it. You just kept at it, and next thing I know, Every single one of us was eating uh, dessert. That and sounds I, like discipleship, <laughs> McGee. It sounds like I was helping you. Yes. You are persuasive. That probably persuasive. would be the uh, would be the PC way to say it. And uh, I told I turned to uh, Caitlin, who's on our uh, leadership team as well, and I said, "Hey, next time we are not letting Blake bully us into this. <laughs> we are adults, and we can say no." So you are persuasive. Uh, we so made a memory, brother. We, we made it a memory. A, it was a really really special night. So thanks for that, uh, Blake. So Blake, I've known you for thirty years one thing that characterizes you is you're kind of excited about everything, right? No matter what we're doing, you're excited. I will tell you that this topic here, uh, the energy goes up even, you know, it, you normally operate at a 10. This goes to some some other level here. Uh, you're really, really excited about this topic. And we're going to talk yeah. about it today is uh, the Watermark Institute. Mm-hmm. So before we kind of jump into it, why don't you tell us what the Institute is uh, for those who don't know, then we'll jump into some of the practicalities of it. The Institute, real simply, is a ministry training program that's based in the local church. And so what we are trying to do is we're trying to equip the next generation of future leaders who want to serve God's people. Great. So when you think about distinctives, what what would you say are distinctives of the program? Well, this is going to sound cliche-ish, and I know it's overused, but I do think it's helpful. We we think of this program in terms of three buckets, the head, the heart, and the hands, because we want to help people learn God's Word, the story of the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation. We read a lot of Bible. Right, and we memorize a lot of scripture. You memorize more scripture going through this than I did in four years of a master's degree. Those are facts. And so uh, you memorize a lot of scripture. It's extensive training, and learning the story of the Bible to have a, a biblical worldview, and then built upon that is theology and then apologetics. So that's that's the the head part, and then just the heart part is we want to personally invest in each person who's part of this yeah. program to shepherd them to um, help them grow in their intimacy and relationship with the Lord and to fall more in love with Jesus. And then the final um, aspect of that is just the hands, right? I I think about the opportunities I was given in local churches. It was kind of like, hey, we're going to have you do the work no one else wants to do and get paid little for (laughs) it. Stack the chairs. Right. You know, and that, that was the internship part. And that's not what this is. People get real meaningful hands-on experience. And so that head, heart, and hands, I think combined are real distinctives of this program. Love it. Yeah, I love it. Well, it has become a really uh, fun part of our staff, our church culture. Our church gets excited about it. Our staff gets excited about it uh, because every, you know, every fall, a brand new crop of uh, bright-eyed, eager, teachable uh, young leaders shows up and you can feel the energy levels pick up. Mm -hmm. We walk with them for a year and then uh, some of them stay on staff. We've made some incredible hires uh, out of the Institute. And then we just unleash uh, the rest of them, you know, uh, into the world and they're doing really, really great things. So it's been really, really fun uh, to watch. So tell me real quick, guys, we're going to get to a lot of the practical issues and kind of um, day-to-day things, but 
some churches are listening here and they're thinking, you know, that might be something we should do. Uh, what would you say is the payoff for a church or what's the why um, they should consider um, as they think about institutes, um, you know, uh, residencies, which really do seem to be kind of an, an, an uptick uh, around churches uh, right now. So any thoughts on that? Yeah. You know, John, I think this is really about training the next generation of leaders. And, you know, just by way of experience, um, a lot of times um, that's a very bumpy process in a lot of churches. And so now if you end up at a small church, I, I think the cliche way of thinking about it is, is you get lots of experience, lots of chances to do things, but there's not the infrastructure in, in line to coach you. Yep. Right? If you end up in a big church, they've got a staff member for everything. So you learn a lot, but you don't get practical experience. And I think this is really designed to be the best of both of those, which is, listen, we want to equip you with the skills, and then we want to give you a chance to use them. But the purpose is very clearly, you know, we are handing off the church to the next generation. And this is what um, we're trying to do to help help ensure that that's a good handoff. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I would just add to that. We, we obviously have kind of borrowed the medical terminology, right? Residency and fellowship. Yep. So think about... Um, how a doctor is trained. They don't just go to medical school, but they serve alongside other doctors. They get hands-on, real-life ministry training. We don't want to go see a doctor who's never seen a patient, right? Or just read a book. Rather not. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. But think about how often people are trained for ministry. They go, they sit in classrooms, they might even learn the original languages, but they've never been, uh, never had the opportunity to lead a team. They've never um, helped a couple that's in conflict, and so, uh, or led a ministry, or had to re, um, speak before in front of a large audience. They've just never had that practical experience, and so I think every single church, and I mean this, I think every single church should have some sort of leadership track like this. Mm -hmm. That's part of the discipleship leadership training, to where we are giving ministry away, we're equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. It doesn't have to be as robust as what you're going to hear That's us right. explaining, right. but every pastor should think to themselves, hey, how am I gifted and how are we uniquely positioned to what, what we can offer to really help grow up the next generation of leaders? And every church, I think, and every ministry team, they, they've got their sweet spot. They know what they're good at, mm -hmm. and it's something, a DNA, it's a skill set, it's a ministry passion, it's a core value that they can pass on to the next generation. So I'd tell them to start small and simply start, mm -hmm. right, and pick something, make it um, very doable, but everybody should be thinking about how they can grow up the next generation of church leaders. Yeah, I love it. And it really does seem like it's it's an idea whose time has come, you know, and I've thought about a lot of these, you know, um, people who are coming to our institute telling their great-great-grandfather, you know, uh, if he was still alive, they're going to take a year off after school, you know, to go kind of further their education. And he would just look at them and be appalled. You know, you're not going to live that long. Get after it. Start working. And now it's it really is. It's uh, it's very uh, almost um, not only accepted. It's it's almost encouraged. You know, that you need to uh, you're going to work for a really long time. You're going to contribute your gifts for a really long time. It makes a lot of sense to kind of hone in at the beginning to make sure you understand what you're good at and also uh, build out your capabilities so that you can have a you know a really really great run. And rather than it being uh, there kind of a, a stigma to it, um, there might have been 30, 40 years ago. There's there's really uh, it's held in, in high regard. Now it's it seems like a next wise step uh, for many. And so I do think there's kind of been a cultural shift uh, that you can take advantage of. So Blake, let's talk about, um, so that's kind of the why, some of the high level stuff. Let's let's talk through, like, what does it look like? Let's, let's walk through a week. If someone were to spend uh, a whole year here on 
on our staff as part of an institute, what, what do they get? What does is, what is Monday through Friday uh, look like? That's a great question. So um, number one, they become a part of our staff. So if you're a church leader and you're um, uh, thinking about starting an institute, you really need, to, this is why I always encourage folks, you really need to think about this. There needs to be total buy-in from the top down. Because if somebody's going to come be a part of a program like this within your church, they really need, um, I'll, I'll use the word access, right? Yeah. They yeah. need full access and opportunity to, to be a part of the staff and not just kind of, hey, you can show up for these couple of hours once a week. So what I would say is what people get, they are a part of our staff. Mm-hmm. They walk in, they're handed, you know, the keys, and it's an immersion program. And that's what I think is so helpful. We have ride along opportunities where it is not uncommon for people who are serving to work right alongside leaders like yourself across our whole church. So that's the first thing I'd say is they're a member of our staff for those 10 months. Now, how is that broken up and what does that look like? Well, real pragmatically on Mondays when we have our, what we call our class time. Yeah. And um, during that class time from August through May, we cover the story of the Bible, and people ask all the time, hey, what is your curriculum? The curriculum is a deep dive through the scriptures. We want them to know God's word, right? We are called to be diligent, um, to be workmen who are not ashamed, handling accurately the word of truth. And so if we're going to be ministers of the gospel, we got to know God's word. So they're going to learn the the story of the Bible. They're going to learn theology. We work through 10 major doctrines. And then they, they also learn apologetics. So how do we take that story of the Bible, the theology that's rooted in that, and then how do we answer the most commonly asked questions that are facing people today? So that's kind of the content of the theology um, and the Bible and apologetics of what they're studying. But then there is a leadership component. And so on that Monday as well, we have different directors who come in, and John's part of that, and so I'll let him pick up here, but different ministry directors who come in and speak of their experience and the how-to and skills of ministry. Yeah, yeah. So and that's really set up along a couple of lines, John. So for example, we've got a session on how do you lead yourself, mm-hmm. right? And so, so much of ministry is about who you are, not what you say or what you do. And so it's really grounded on, okay, let's build some practices in your life um, that really help you to grow in that area, because you know people will become like you, hmm. um, hmm. and they're the ones that hmm. they're trying to model. So that would be some. Another one would be uh, how to counsel from scripture. And so you know one of our first questions anytime we get uh, an issue is is what does the Bible have to say about that? And that's the starting point because we're trying to lean in on God's wisdom. And so there's a whole session that talks about that. And so what we've done is is you know uh, every week we've got a session that's designed to talk about that kind of thing, where we've identified, hey, what are the 30 or 40 key questions, key skills that we want someone to walk out of here with, and now let's let's proactively, you know, work on that with, with the residents. Yeah, yeah. And then also on Monday, then we have what we call family time. And that's where we have those on our staff who are um, taking that more personal interest in each resident and fellow. Like, you are... Um, Every resident and fellow has someone on our staff who is loving, leading, shepherding, discipling, whatever terminology you want to put, taking that personal investment to know the whole person, yeah. how they're doing, how they're doing in their walk with, with the Lord. Um, and um, so that family time is, is a, a chance for them to get connected as a class and also just to 
stir their affections as they're personally walking with the Lord and all that they're learning, temptations they're facing? What does it look like just to, to grow my affections for the Lord and, and walk faithfully with him throughout this year? That's good. And um, so that's, that's what Monday looks like. Tuesday, they come to our staff meeting. They go to their ministry team meeting. And the bulk of their time really is this last part, is that each person is placed on a ministry team. They're embedded in a team. And that's where they're getting that practical hands-on ministry experience. They're being coached. And they're not just being given the work nobody else wants to do. It's meaningful Mm -hmm. experience. And it grows them up and it challenges them. Uh, Most people would... I've heard them say, hey, this almost feels irresponsible. You guys are giving me a lot to do. But that's how they grow. Yeah. And, um, and, it, and it allows them to discover their gifts. So they're serving on a ministry team. So, for instance, someone might serve on the marriage team. So they um, would be with our, our marriage ministry in that group, everything they're doing from you know, Tuesday th- throughout the rest of the week. That's where they spend the, the rest bulk of their time. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, it is. Uh, it's going to be really fun. We're going to see just a minute, guys. We're going to test some of the fruit of your labor. We're going to interview uh, a couple of graduates, and we're going to we're going to see just how well they know their Bible. It'll be impressive. Uh, I've got I've got questions, and uh, we're going to put them on the spot. And uh, so it is. I mean, the, I I went to seminary, and um, you know, this is when I watch graduates come out and talk about their Bible. I I kind of go I. I'm not sure, you know, when I graduated, where I graduated, that I knew scripture cover to cover the way they did, you know, uh, and uh, at some capacity. So it's really encouraging, and they and they get time uh, with John, you know, who I mean, just has a uh, an MBA from Harvard, you know, and so you don't uh, you don't have to move to Boston to get the kind of the best of. You can just come to the institute, and you have people, you know, uh, other churches. You've got people in your church with a lot of capabilities uh, that you could tap into and you don't you don't have to be the sole person who blows their minds on every topic under the sun you can kind of bring a lot uh, to bear in your church that and that's what i'd say to any pastor who's listening to this i i want to tell you my role is to be a tour guide yes i teach a lot of the bible but my job is to be a tour guide and what i'm doing is i'm introducing new friends to old friends. And so I, what I'm doing is I'm grabbing residents and fellows. I'm like, Hey, you should spend time with John McGee. He's going to, he's going to teach you leadership. You should spend time with John Cox or just watch the way the man lives his life. Yeah. And that's what I get to do. It, all of it doesn't follow me. I don't need to be the Bible answer man and the disciple maker and the great leader is, but I, what I do is expose folks, introduce folks throughout the church. So if you're a smaller church and this sounds overwhelming to you because you have a smaller staff, think about all the, think about the body of Christ and the people in your church who could help you as you're mentoring people. Yeah. So that's the way I would think about it. You know, I also think it's, it's a discovery process. And so it's a guided journey for that. Listen, some people, you know, they start out in young and they get the 40 year vision from God. And it's very clear what they're supposed to do. And mm-hmm. but a lot of us, and I'm included, um, don't necessarily have that 40-year vision. So I joke uh, with our residents that, hey, if you asked me where I would be in five years, <laughs> I would now be wrong, you know, like 40 consecutive years. <laughs> and um, and so my journey has become a lot more around listening to God and following after Him, yeah. right, and understanding my gifts and continuing to develop them so that I can deploy Him for His glory. And so I think there is a discovery where, you know, part of coming to, to the residency is, is, hey, let me really figure out and get some feedback 
on what am I good at? Mm -hmm. And I get a chance to try stuff because some of that emerges over time. And likewise, we really want to help them to understand from a character standpoint, what are my potential flaws, right? Because what happens is in ministry, it's those flaws that will get you. And so you've got to understand them. You've got to know how to proactively deal with them so that they don't end up getting you. So yeah. it's things like that in addition to the, to the, uh, you know, the training. Yeah. Yeah. And I would just add, um, this is a demanding program. Like I don't, I don't want to, um, undersell that. I, like it, it really, um, just requires a lot of each individual. Yeah. You're coming here for 10 months and it's a marathon. And so um, the bar's high in those who uh, we candidly, who we accept into this program, because um, not everybody, they say they want to be coached, but not everybody really wants to be coached, right? right. right? And, um, and there's a lot that's required as far as content, what you learn, how much work that is required day in and day out just to keep up. Um, we have oral exams and um, called stand and deliver, which is uh, makes for a memorable week. But it's also um, just incredibly rewarding. I, the way I think about it is that when our graduates finish after 10 months, they walk away and they go, you know what? I feel ready and equipped to sit over a cup of coffee and answer questions yeah. about my faith. I'm not nervous. I'm not anxious. I can go to God's word. I can give a biblical defense for the hope that's within me. That doesn't mean I have every question answered, but I feel confident. I feel equipped. I feel ready. And um, I have a category for how I can frame these these discussions. Yeah. I did have one friend who said to me, it was a great compliment. Um, he, he just said, Blake, when I graduated um, from seminary, I knew how to write papers. But when I graduated from the Institute, I really learned how to talk to people. Yeah. And, um, and so I, I would just say this is a demanding program. We are looking for those who know they want to go into vocational ministry, who have just a, just a real deep sense of like, hey, this is what God's asking me to do. What's next? Yeah. And um, the way I put it is we're looking for runners. Yeah. Right. And uh, you guys are athletes. Like, so if they could see in right now, they look at two uh, strong athletes, fit guys. Used to be at least. Used to be. <laughs> and, and, you know, you're, you guys are like, you have workout clothes where um, they're for you because uh, you work out hard. And I have workout clothes because every once in a while I walk around the block. But um, and there's the difference. And so um, what I would say is there's some guys who have just this mindset of, yeah, you know what? Um, maybe I want to do this. I'm not sure. And I'd say this program is not for you. If though, however, you're going, no, I'm a runner and I, I've, I'm already running and, I, and I'd like to get a little bit faster and I'd learn how to like to run a little bit further, um, then I think they would find this program a really rewarding program. But it's, it's, it's demanding and it, it requires is. a lot. It is. I'll tell you some of the things I hear um, from graduates on the other side. Uh, one, they, they know their Bible. They feel equipped. You know, Blake, so you talked about there is, um, it's legendary, but at the end of each semester, there is a stand and deliver. And Blake Holmes or John Cox or someone will, um, you know, throw questions and um, ministry questions or Bible questions. And well, I'm always amazed that everybody's ready. Like the stress levels are so high and they think they're going to be the first one to ever fail. No, you know. Everyone, everyone's made it, um, but they they push through that, and then on the other side, like they really are ready for everything. Uh, another thing I hear is that they uh, they learned about themselves that people, their friends sometimes sometimes it was uh, that are in those small groups sometimes it's their director that they work with uh, pointed out things in their life that no one 
had ever told them about. And it was, uh, it was a little unsettling at times, but as they move through that, they're now grateful that they've got a grip on some of those things that, you know, John was talking about earlier uh, for the rest of their life. And some people will never pause or never take a humble posture to receive that. But those who do, uh, boy, it just pays off in spades forever. Um, I hear a lot about, you know, individual conversations that um, those in the Institute have had with a variety of people. So the access you guys have provided has been really amazing. So they'll, they'll meet with the elders or senior staff or, you know, uh, really the, kind of every door is open in some ways, even more, more for them than it is those on staff mm-hmm. actually, you know? And so it's not uncommon for them to talk about, you know, some really high level meetings that they sit in that some of the other staff is going, I, I didn't get access to that. And they're actually, what's been surprising just as an aside, I've been surprised how there's been no like bitterness or entitlement on our staff. I don't know how you pulled that off, but that's, that's pretty amazing. Cause these guys get some really, really high level access, um, to leaders around here. And, um, they'll just talk about how I was I was having coffee or I was in a meeting and I watched this one thing or I, I watched this one question and it shaped the way I think about leadership forever. And that wasn't in a book. That wasn't in a lecture. That was just kind of spending time uh, with people. And then um, there's a sense that they know who they are. Uh, John's fa- famous axiom, know who you are, like who you are, be who you are. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how many times you say that. Well, you know, look, that's, I stole that, I think, from Chuck Swindoll, but, <laughs> but it's it's worked, right? Yeah. So, yeah. They, and they know they they are they are on that journey, and uh, it's been uh, really really fun to watch people just kind of this time lapse photography. Ten months, you know, when they come in and when they leave, you are you are a different person. And so, that's and that's what happens, right? When we invest in God's word, we surround ourselves with God's people. That's right. We begin to use our gifts. God grows us. Those are the catalytic life change events that God grows us. And as to the extent that we're receptive to feedback to that coaching, that's just a mark of wisdom. Yeah. And um. And so I think that is um, one of the key traits of this program I'm most proud of is how our staff personally invests in the residents and the fellows. Yep. I mean, they take a, they're in their home, they're sharing meals with them. It's not just an aside program we do, you know, a couple hours a week. And that's what I was talking about. There needs to be total buy-in if you're a ministry leader and you're thinking about doing this, such that um, they are coming alongside you. They are going into the meetings that, oh, well, should a resident be a part of this? Should a fellow really be a part of this? And um, and so our program has been, uh, I think, a help to our residents and our fellows. And, and, and also now we've extended it to where we have a lay institute. And where we've invited, um, it's by invitation only, we've invited the members of our body who are serving in key ministry areas and also staff opened it up to them. And it's an abridged version of the Institute where we meet with them on Sunday afternoons and go through much of the same similar content. And it's been fun just to see um, the commitment people have had to know God's word um, and to want to fall more in love with Jesus. Because at the end of the day, and I want to be really clear, at the end of the day, the whole goal of this program is for people to fall more in love with Jesus and um, and to take that next step in their individual walk with him. And so um, that is what my prayer is, is people coming out of here, they're more confident of God's word, they're more sure that he is who he says he is, and um, they are more confidently equipped ambassadors for Christ. And so, because they love Jesus. Love and they know of God's love for them. I love it. Okay. So Blake, there's, there's really two tracks at the Institute is the umbrella. And then there is the fellows 
and there are the residents. Can you talk about kind of what each of those is and then who should apply for each one of those? Sure. Well, when we started, it was just one track, right? And um, But as it's grown, what seemed to make sense is we were having fee- people who are applying who are coming right out of college. And then we had people applying who were second career or graduates from seminary or had or were, had ministry experience in other church contexts and were saying, hey, I'd like to come be a part of this. And so we recognized, hey, listen, the person coming right out of college or one or two years out of college is just a, in a completely different life experience, life stage than the person who's in their early 30s who's applied, who's graduated from seminary, or perhaps has a lot of ministry experience. And so we separated those programs. And so the residency program specifically designed for those who are right out of college, one to two years out of college. And the fellowship program is for those um, who um, have more ministry experience or maybe are in a second career and uh, considering vocational ministry. And really the main difference there is the time commitment which they spend with us. Residents are required to work for for our team for 10 hours a week and fellows for 20 hours a week within their ministry team. Yeah, that's right. Hey, Blake, we talk about just kind of the application process and uh, when, how, all those kind of things. Yeah, so our application process opens in the fall. People fill out the written application, turn that in, and then we have a pretty thorough vetting process from the written application to phone calls to in-person uh, as people progress and we think are, are a good fit for the program. W- listen, we want this to be a win for the individual as much as it is a win for us. And um, the goal is not to find a job at Watermark. The goal is um, to help people fall in love with Jesus. And I'm thrilled that as people have gone through this this program, they're literally graduates all over our country serving yeah. in a variety yeah. of capacities. And that that really, really excites me. And so we interview in the fall into mid-spring, and then we um, the program begins in August and ends in May. Yeah. And I would encourage you to get your, if you're thinking about uh, applying, get your application in and get it in early because they start coming in. I remember last year, Blake, you you ran down to my office and said, hey, will you please stop talking about this? Our team was trying to, you know, we were just so excited about it. We were telling everybody, it's like, we can't, literally can't keep up with all these applications. Stop. Stop uh, applying is exactly what I <laughs> or said. Or stop, 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 stop telling people about it is, is really what you said. It, which and, is a great problem to right. have, right? But it is to your advantage if you apply early right. because we only have a limited number of spots because we do provide housing and at some point you get so big that's the law of diminishing returns for us to really care for people and to personally invest in people the goal is not for us to have a big program the goal is for us to have a personal investment in each each person is a part of it yeah that whole idea blake about you know these graduates being spread out all over the country doing amazing things you know one of my favorite things this year was uh, at the church leaders conference we had a reunion for all the institute grads and just to walk in there and see the energy and go oh my gosh i remember you and you're doing what now? That was that's incredible. You're in Wyoming. You're in New York City. <laughs> right. You're in South Texas. You're leading this. Oh my gosh! You started this. It, it was it was just so fun. Oh, it was it my, was, it, that was that was truly that was the highlight of my year. Yeah, it was so great. John, uh, any other thoughts uh, yeah, for well, individuals or church leaders? Yeah, here's one thing I would say: if you're a church leader, is is you can look at a program like Watermarks, which is you know been running now for a number of years. And you're just going to think, oh, my goodness, how do I start something like this? And what I would just say is, is you know, start simple. Um, Blake said this. It's just head, heart, hands, right? So you want to get people that are interested in being in ministry, and you want to invest in their lives. And part of that is helping them understand their Bible. That's the head part, right? Part of that is the heart part, which is discipling them, spending time with them, shepherding them. And then the last part is the hands part which is how do you get them practical ministry experience where you're alongside of them 
helping to learn and teach them. You know, so it's the it's the four phase leadership model, which is, hey, I'm going to do it and you're going to watch me. Then I'm going to do it and you'll help. Then the third one is, is, you know, you're going to do it, but I'll help you. And then finally, you do it and I watch. And so it is that process over time of helping people become competent in ministry skills. That's it. That's it. Well, I, that's really, really good advice. And I think for a lot of churches, they don't even need to start a program. They just need to have this mentality of bringing people along uh, with them. And so uh, if you're a leader, there's so much you know. And if people will ask you the right questions, you can unlock them. As they watch you, they can learn a ton. If you're going to prepare a message, you can teach in the Bible. They could also prepare a message with you and they could learn how you do what you do. They could do a ride along to a meeting and they could watch how you uh, interact, how you ask questions, how you pastorally uh, move move towards uh, others, how you make decisions, just bring them into the decision-making process. Here's how we're thinking about this. And um, here's our options. Here's why I'm going to choose this one. And you get them to think about how to factor decisions and how to make them. And whether you did a lecture or had a PowerPoint at all, you can do a lot of those things, take on a lot of different uh, shapes and sizes. You know, uh, my daughter is in college and they actually have in their church something very, very similar uh, to this. And they have more applicants then they have uh, seats and they don't pay them anything and they demand a lot. And uh, she gives up basically her entire Sunday and she goes to all kinds of meetings and does all kinds of things and gets paid nothing and she loves it. She loves it. So don't don't ever say someone's no for them or think that people wouldn't want to come spend time with you. Uh, they wouldn't want to contribute to the mission. Uh, give people a shot and just create some simple on-ramps. And Blake, you started with how many um, residents the very first year? We started with nine. Nine, okay, yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's a lot more uh, now, but you could start with one or you could start with two, and I think you would be really, really encouraged uh, over you know over the years, whenever you have your quote-unquote reunion, uh, to see what people are up to. It's catalytic. Uh, yeah. It really is catalytic for your church Yeah. Um, as you're investing in the next generation. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. Okay, we're going to see... Um, really how well you guys have done uh, with uh, with this program and we're gonna we're gonna put you to the test here and we're gonna interview uh, a couple of your graduates we're gonna see if what, what you say uh, you produce uh, is in fact the case so all right well here we have two grads uh, Emma daughter who was a fellow two years ago Neil Monroe you were a resident two That's years right. ago okay so we're gonna see uh, what uh, what you have retained from the Institute right. and then we'll talk about that's actually uh, wouldn't talk about their experience, but real quick. Okay, Emma, we're going to put it to the test here. Um, All right. Keyword and outline. Um, you, I didn't. I didn't send you this ahead of time. Uh, for Second Samuel. Second Samuel. All right. The keyword is David. Yeah. And the outline is David's triumphs, transgressions, and troubles. That that will preach. Okay. So Neil, I didn't didn't send you this ahead of time. Uh, you got no email. But can you give off the top of your head a defense for uh, the inspiration of scripture. Yeah, so we could talk longer, but the outline is five Ps, the production, its profession, preservation, prophecy, and personal testimony. That's impressive, brother. That's really impressive. Okay. Uh, both of you, biggest takeaway, just in terms of ministry, um, you're now, you're now both, I didn't clarify that. Uh, both of you are now on staff. And, uh, so what, what did you learn in the Institute, um, that you're, like you're using today, it's shaped you. It's how you think about leadership. It's how you think about ministry. I'll go first. I don't know everything. So coming in on the fellowship side, I'd worked a few years in ministry mm -hmm. and the Institute rocked my world in terms of what it means to be humble. Yeah. And still to this day, that's now become this uh, like yellow light. Anytime I start to think I know better than somebody else, 
is when I need to slow down. And that's been a, a driving principle in ministry ever since. Okay. So just kind of your personal uh, growth through that. And I, you've shared that story here on the podcast yes. previously yes. when Melissa looked at you and uh, some of the conversation. Um, and uh, and I, I do think that's something, uh, Emma, that marks you uh, now. And I remember some of the swagger you had coming in here. <laughs> and uh, you still have that. There's still, there's still a confidence, a bold confidence. And there's also a humility, even that you would say, hey, I don't know everything. Uh, it's been fun to watch. And so, Thank okay, you. Neil, what would you say about you, brother? Um, ministry competencies, learnings, things like that um, from the Institute? I think the biggest thing for me coming to the Institute is I came from just a, a single parent family who saw ministry as an opportunity to gain acceptance and identity and consequently just saw all that ministry could do for me and felt like I had to do a lot to earn the approval of male authority, any authority really in my life. Um, and I had guys like David Pinyol, who's on our campus pastor team now, just loved me well enough to call me out, and I'd been admonished a lot in my life, but what I had done my entire life was just course correct, and rather than taking it to heart, I would just not do that thing that I got admonished for. Huh. And the Institute helped me to know, as Blake said multiple times on the podcast, that the Institute's main goal is to fall intimately in love with Jesus Christ. Yeah. And that is what switched for me in the Institute, is that I, I learned that I was really well-intending, but not well-doing, and that God really doesn't need me but he allows me to walk with him and to serve for him, not out of obligation, but out of obedience. And um, yeah, I got to really learn what it looks like to not function on my very aggressively average giftings, <laughs> but to lean on on the goodness of God. Aggressively average. I'll wow. Be, I will be using that phrase. Uh, I'm, I'm going to look for a, a chance to do that this uh, this week. So um, that's good. Both of you guys. Uh, one of the things we didn't talk about was like the retreats. Uh, oh, yeah. Lots of fun, lots of relational uh, time. Uh, just funniest or funnest uh, moment uh, in the residency. Okay. We played this game called Assassin where everybody got a name and they had to find that person around campus and shoot them with a water gun. But there was this caveat where if you wore a wetsuit, you would be invincible. And you better believe that I got on Facebook Marketplace and found a wetsuit so to like, wear like over a, my like clothes. For, like scuba diving? Like, yes, like yes, a... yes, exactly. <laughs> I mean, what you're envisioning is what I was wearing <laughs> with goggles on my head walking around That's this place. That's amazing. And I didn't win. You didn't win no, after all that. My roommates got me. So tell me about that. How did that even work then with the wetsuit? Well, I would put on my clothes for work like a normal day. And then I would put a wetsuit on over my clothes and just kind of half zip it. And go to staff prayer, go to meetings, go throughout, go to class wearing this wetsuit. But how do they, how do they get you? That's what I was saying. Oh, they had to either squirt you with a water gun, but if I was wearing the wetsuit, it didn't count. Or they had to put an X on the bottom of your cup. And my roommates at home, when I, you know, my guard was down, it's the end of the day, I'm at home. <laughs> this, this exact cup that I have here in the podcast studio, they got a Sharpie and they wrote an, an X, X on the bottom. Okay. And I drank it. You wore a wetsuit. Oh, yep. so you had to check the bottom of your cup before you drank it. That's right. Is, you know, there's probably a life lesson there somewhere. So, okay, Neil, favorite uh, favorite moment for you? Well, we played Assassin as well, and I got shot within like the first five minutes. So uh, for me, we my roommates, we, we had a smaller class. We had 12 residents overall. And so there was two apartments of guys. And our apartment, we jokingly started calling ourselves the Water Boys. And uh, me and three other guys that were in the program, and it kind of took off, and people like would call us that thing, like would call us the Water Boys, and some people thought we were serious, we were not, we were joking. I, 
had studied advertising and design in college, so I made t-shirts that illustrated the four of us, uh, and the first picture we took together as roommates, and I jokingly posted on social media that I would sell t-shirts with our faces on them, and I sold like 40 t-shirts, and those t-shirts are worn in Kentucky, Texas, California, and like this really, really dumb joke went really, really far because we we acted uh, like it was... A real thing. Yeah, absolutely. Sounds like a boy band. And, yeah. Uh, there's, the yeah. water boys. There's junior high girls wearing your t-shirt uh, right now waiting waiting oh, for yeah. you to announce your concert dates. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We're, we're still praying about it. Uh, <laughs> so, but just a brotherhood, I think, for you, sure. just the, in the relationships yeah. here. Um, so, okay. So you heard Blake, but anything you would add, like, um, you know, as someone who's gone through the residency, you should really, you know, to to someone who's listening in their, in their 20s and uh, there's lots of things they could do uh, for a year. Uh, what's the payoff? Why should they think about uh, the residency either here at Watermark or somewhere else? Um, what, what would you say to that? I'd say I would I would do it again, 10 out of 10, wow. because I came out sharpened in three areas, my character, my confidence, and my commitment to ministry. And that last one being, I, being the most confident and, hey, I can now really articulate the areas God has gifted me in and areas I need to grow, but I'm also certain that God would have me in vocational ministry. Hmm. And there were people in my class who finished and realized, hey, this isn't this isn't what yeah. God has for me, yeah. but they walked away confident knowing what God was calling them towards. That's awesome. How, so talk just for a second, Emma, about your gifts, what you think God has for you. Uh, you know, here you are a couple years later, a uh, deeper understanding of who you are and what God wants you to do. Sure. Tell me about that. Sure. So coming in, I, I said to Blake in my interview, I want to write curriculum and teach God's word. Uh, from the very, very beginning, that's what I said. But in the Institute, I got to sit in our women's Bible study ministry and watch how they shepherded teachers, developed communicators, wrote and edit Bible studies. And now, two almost two and a half years later, I'm getting to, to do those things, to exercise teaching and leadership. But I now have women who poured into me two years ago that are still checking in on me, shepherding me, asking how I'm doing, giving me advice, and just being a resource that even though the Institute's over, I know I've got these spiritual mothers that are making such a huge invested hmm. investment in me even still. I love it. I love it. Neil, what would you say, brother, why should someone from your vantage point you know, think about this for a year? Yeah, I think that you... Um, just are not aware of just the different things in your life that you substitute for the goodness of God. Uh, and ministry is often one of the biggest things, that the very same things that we do to serve God, we do to advance our own kingdom. And I, I said earlier how I got admonished, honestly, a lot in the residency. <laughs> and uh, I ended the residency being told in alliterated format why I did not have a job at Watermark and did not ask for it, but uh, my boss was faithful enough to tell me. And for me, all of a sudden I realized that the problem was not that I needed another program, is that I needed him. Hmm. And I needed to walk intimately with Jesus. And I I pulled out of ministry. I actually stayed in Dallas to do Watermark's 12-step recovery program, Regeneration, uh, and learned that I actually struggled not with um, lack of tact or whatever else I saw manifested on the surface, but I struggled with control, fear of man, and self-righteousness. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I'm staying around Dallas. I started serving in the kids' ministry, in which people actually told me for years, like, have you ever thought about kids' ministry? And on the outside, I would say, I don't think that's what my calling in life is. But in reality, I just really didn't want to do it because that wasn't how I saw my life going. And for the first time in my life, I was serving at a church where I knew I wouldn't have a job, so ministry actually became 
service. Wow. And I was serving wow. because I loved Jesus Christ, not because I was vying for a position or a job. And um, six months into that, when I was writing down all of my sin, I could think of my life, which is not the most fun. Uh, I was approached by our elementary director, and he asked me if I would be the fourth and fifth grade minister. And I verbatim looked at him and said, hey, you realize I'm a trash bag of a human being? And he said, that's much better than you were six months ago. <laughs> and I've since then been able to serve in that role. And what I've realized is that the Lord had to move me to understanding that I don't contribute anything to advance his kingdom, and yet he still uses me. Yeah. Like, I don't um, do something that God can't do, and yet I get to joyfully, every single day of my life, step in and minister to the leaders and the kiddos in a way that um, God has specifically equipped me and set me up to do. Wow. Wow. What a beautiful story. Mm-hmm. What's your title now? I am the Crossroads 45 coordinator, so yeah. fourth and fifth grade pastor. Yeah, yeah, which is really fun. High energy uh, hour oh, yeah. on Sunday. Oh, yeah. And uh, oh, really, yeah. really, really, really fun. Okay, guys, uh, last words. Emma? When I think about who should apply for the Institute, I think there can be this this lie that the enemy throws out there that you shouldn't apply if you don't already know a ton about your Bible. And I came in thinking actually the opposite of that. So I came in thinking everybody is going to be a Bible nerd and be super well studied. And much to my surprise, many of my classmates were in the Institute because they wanted to go into ministry, but they didn't know their Bibles. And so don't let fear of not knowing enough be what keeps you from applying. That's right. So uh, Tyler, who is the senior pastor at Watermark Fort Worth, I think it was shocking how little Bible he knew. (laughs) uh, It was shocking. And now he's the senior pastor, uh, to your point. And he applied himself and did incredibly well and uh, is doing doing a great job over there. So uh, Neil, last words, bud. Yeah. So I, like I said, use ministry as my form of identity for a long time. And so naturally after college, I was like, oh, work at a mega church and do ministry. And I heard that they give some seminary credit all for it. Uh, And I didn't even have a concept for ministry where you didn't have formal training like seminary. And I was seeing that as just another qualification. And I came to Watermark and I did get 12 hours of seminary for, for doing the classes that I would really call practical seminary of how to actually present the theological content to another person across the table. Um, and what I, what I came to learn is that um, truly formal training is not so that you can be more qualified, but it's so that you can know more about the God that you say that you love and you believe oh, in. Yeah. And, so and at the end of the program, when I was admonished out of ministry, I, I was like, seminary is not it. It was not the right time. And God told me to hold, and I didn't want to really, but I did. Uh, and now two years later, I'm actually enrolled in seminary now. And I would say I am far better uh, in my studies and for it and for the right reasons because of the training I got in the Institute. That's great. Yeah, we didn't talk about that a lot, but we've got kind of a, a reciprocal relationship with several, you know, probably the more uh, well-known seminaries uh, in the country, and you can get kind of advanced standing and, and credit, and I've heard 12, and I think so, I knew someone who got 18 uh, yeah. even, and mm-hmm. so uh, we can talk to you uh, about that. Probably not the, the sole reason you should do that, but it's uh, you can definitely factor that in. Uh, I would say about both of you, uh, to someone who's thinking about a residency here or somewhere else, is uh, be all in when you go. Definitely. Uh, don't show up as, your, as you are the gift to this church. Realize that you've been given an incredible opportunity and mm-hmm. take full advantage of it. And I think both of you really did. And uh, your path was a little bit different, but both of you are, are in really, really great spots now uh, because of the ways you approached this. And uh, you came teachable, you came humble, uh, you played all out, and it was a really, really good use uh, of a year. You could come and just show up 
and uh, arms crossed, and uh, it would be a complete waste of a year. It would be a mm-hmm. disaster. So mm-hmm. well done uh, to both you. of you. It's going to be fun to see uh, what God does with you uh, from here. So well, we hope this episode was helpful to you, whether you are thinking about starting um, some type of institute at your church or you're thinking about applying uh, either to this church or somewhere else. If you have any questions, uh, you can reach us at institute at watermark.org or go to our website, watermarkresources.com. Uh, we'll also put all those links here in the show notes. So thanks so much for listening. If you have questions or comments about this episode or ideas for future episodes, we can be reached at clp at watermark.org. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you again next time.